and welcome to the Morning Wind Podcast. I'm Ted Burke, joined on the line today by my producer, Hamilton Mary. Hamilton, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am doing very well because we have a very exciting guest that I want to start with on this show. In Manhattan this week, there was a press conference to introduce the Big Three, which is a new three-on-three basketball league that's going to target uh, veteran uh, ex-NBA players, guys you know recently retired. Under the uh, under the presumption, the assumption that they can still play some basketball, if they're doing it once a week, they're doing it on on, on the half court. It's going to be sort of a, a roadshow uh, party type thing where where four different three on three games between ex NBA players happen in every location every week. Uh, and the guy behind it is Ice Cube. The rapper and actor, and I was able to speak with Ice Cube for a few minutes about the Big Three and, and some of his other pursuits, and I want to get to that right now. Uh, so tell me about the uh, the evolution of this idea. When was the first you heard of it? How long have you been on board? And what's your what's your role been getting to this point? Oh man, you know, uh, it started off with me calling Jeff Quantner saying that, man, we need professional three-on-three basketball because, you know... I had been thinking about this for a minute, but then seeing Kobe retire too, it just it just made me want to kick this into high gear because I, I think he still got game. You know, what I mean? yeah. a dude that puts up 60 points still got game, and it should be a league for guys who still got game. That's how the NBA who can't run up and down the court for 82 games or whatever, back to backs, three and four nights. So. Um, you know, I started just writing notes down, putting concepts and thoughts down, and and I think what we really a, a real milestone in the in the idea was when we thought of no owners and that the players uh, how they you know deal with the revenue sharing. I think that was a a moment where we saw yo. This is not only cool a cool concept, but you know players can make a lot of money. You know, especially if we, you know, build this uh, pot. You know how we know it can can grow. So it just started looking like a great, great business model and, and a, a great thing to to really put full effort into. You seem like a busy guy, though, right? Yeah. I mean, you got you got tons of movies still coming out. Why? Why pro sports? Why are you moving into this world? Well, I'm, you know, I did it as a fan, really. Mm-hmm. This is something I want to see um, come to fruition. And and I didn't want to just hope, wish, ask somebody to do it or see if somebody would do it. You know, we just jumped in with both feet. And, you know, having somebody like Roger Mason Jr. interested, who is such an insider, and... I just think we just had the right pieces in place to bring this to fruition, and it's it's really coming together. It's snowballing into something great. Obviously, you've had a lot of opportunity to meet like, some of the world's biggest stars, but do you still geek out a little bit when you get to see Allen Iverson up close? Yeah, you know, this is it's AI, man. I'm a, I'm a fan, too. You know, uh, I love what these dudes do on the basketball court, and, um, you know, you get a chance to see who they are as a per- person kind of through interviews, but to really get a chance to, like, see them Tell them how much you know you uh, you're a big fan and, and how much you missed them on the basketball court. To me, is is special always. You know, it's always good to see guys that you admire. 
We didn't hear a ton about it during the press conference because you guys were talking about the game, but it sounds like there's going to be a, a, an aspect of this that's entertainment, that's part yes. of the show. What's that going to be like? Well, you know, we, we thought that, you know, the All-Star games are nice, but that's once a year. And we was like, why we can't have an All-Star game every game? Uh, um, and have that feeling of that big moment. And since we're only doing 10 games once a week, we thought that we should make it an event. And so we're going after the biggest names in music to, to do our halftime shows. And we think it's going to be great. You know, it's something that that uh, is, it's not a new concept, but to see it every week, to see somebody cool every week uh, get down, you know, that is new. So And the players have entrance music, like yeah, baseball. Yeah, you know, we wanted to do something special because these guys have had, you know, a lot of them had illustrious NBA careers, so we want to make sure that they're, you know, uh, properly introduced and, you know, respected and, and people kind of know their accomplishments, you know. What's next for you after this? I can't see nothing after this. All I can see is this right now uh, and making sure that this work. You know, June 24th will be here quick, so you know, I got my head down. I know, you know, other people probably want me to get back into my movies and stuff like that, but this is my baby right now, so I'm, I'm, I'm fully in, involved in this. Well, what keeps you focused, though, right? Because it's just like you you could easily sit this one out, right, and just yeah. relax. seems like you're just, like, now 30 years you've been on our cultural landscape and you keep pushing, keep doing new stuff. What drives you to do that? Um, I love it. You know, I love to create. You know, ultimately, that's really what it is. You know, to have a concept in the back of your mind and to, you know, at first I start doing it on records, you know, that the world could, you know, you can make it into a, a you can give it a physical form and then the people will either support it or they won't. But it's cool just to be able to do that. And I think that's really what I get off on the most is, is creating things and, and you know, thinking of the concept and then bringing it to fruition and then people can enjoy it or not, you know, so I think that's what keeps me going. Seems like, yeah, I've got to let you go, but uh, one last question. I've read that you were studying to be an architect when you, uh, when NWA blew up. Yeah. You ever think about getting back into that <laughs> world? Nah, nah, you know, not at all. Uh, that was that was my fallback, uh, you know, idea. Like, if, if, if this rapping stuff didn't work, I was going to have something to fall back on, but it's worked pretty good, so I think I'll be all right. So, uh, Hemel, that was Ice Cube on the show. That's a pretty pretty amazing guest to get on the show. I want to note that, like, last week you said to me that I should target bigger name guests, <laughs> and which is no disrespect to any of the guests we've had on to date, but you said, like, people who might draw people in. And in, this week alone, in the first week since that mandate, <laughs> I delivered Buster Posey, former NL MVP, and Ice Cube. That's Ice Cube. <laughs> the 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 Ice Cube was on my well, show. All right. To be fair, considering that I have been the guest for like half of these podcasts, it was really also a knock against myself. Like we, you know, as much as I love our little conversations, I feel like people probably want to hear from Ice Cube versus me. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't I wouldn't call you a guest at this point. I'd say that's true. You're part of the sh you're part of the team here, very clearly. That's true. And I think our conversations are not little at all. I think they are. Uh, far-reaching and important would be how I would how I would define them. 
Spirited debates is what we have. Um, uh, but yeah, Ice Cube is pretty amazing. I Was he fun to hang out with? He was super nice. You know, like I was a... I've, I've gotten pretty good at not being starstruck by baseball mm-hmm. players at this point. There mm-hmm. will still be guys. It's especially like guys who aren't playing now, but were like a big deal in my childhood. I mm-hmm. get a little bit nervous around or, or I, you know, and like I haven't had a ton of opportunity to do like one-on-one with Barry Bonds. But I imagine in that situation, like I enjoyed watching Barry Bonds so much as a baseball player that I would be terrified of saying something that would anger him and thus, like, color my fandom of Barry Bonds. And I kind of had that with with Ice Cube, you know? Like, especially in the morning before I went down, I I looked, I was looking over Ice Cube's Wikipedia page. And, like, really (laughs) sort of impressive. And I I guess I've been following it all along because I I liked Ice Cube's music when he was a solo act and I was a a teenager and he was making platinum Mm -hmm. records and I saw Friday when it came out in the theaters and I saw Barbershop when it came out in theaters and it it just, I guess I didn't realize that if you look through, it's like Ice Cube hasn't gone more than two years without some big album or movie for like the past 30 years. And so, so that made me a little bit that made me a little bit nervous going into it. it. Was like I don't think I fully grasped how successful Ice Cube has been, and I the think lo- can, the longevity of his career is amazing. And I think you can hear that in the interview. Is like I'm like kind of like kissing his ass a little bit. I'm so <laughs> impressed with Mr. all the Cube. stuff. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm extremely impressed with all the stuff Ice Cube has done. And then I was able to have I was able to have Ice Cube on the podcast, which is just now I can like, you know, someday I hope I have grandkids so I can explain to them who Ice Cube is and then play them audio of granddad talking to Ice Cube. I I love Ice Cube. I think that kind of, but every time I see a picture of him, he just looks like he's trying really hard to be tough, but he just, his face, he just has one of these like cute cuddly faces. Like every time he scowls, I'm like, no, I feel like you're actually a nice guy. Yeah. And and to be honest, you know, and and look, I don't want to like, I feel like if I'm saying like, oh, Ice Cube was such a nice guy that I'm going to like rob him of some street, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Uh, but he was super, he seemed really normal, you know, and like considering again, like considering that someone like that if I were in his position, I would just have myself surrounded by, like, on-staff yes-men to tell me every single <laughs> thing I did was artful and important and that I didn't need, you know, like, I didn't need to follow through on all of my yeah. things. No, he seemed like a fairly normal, uh, certainly business-like guy. So, uh, super uh, career highlight for me, I'll say, to, to be able to talk to Ice Cube. O'Shea Jackson Sr. to you. Indeed. Um <laughs> We're gonna go to. We're gonna do take some some Q and A questions as we've been doing on our late week show. Uh, but I want to say before we do, if you want more guests like Ice Cube on the show, and you should, uh, and I, and I can't promise we will follow Buster Posey and Ice Cube with bigger guests next week. I would say this is probably the outlier. But please, uh, rate us and review us and subscribe on iTunes, especially uh, also on SoundCloud. Uh, Those ratings and reviews help us get more traffic, and more traffic helps us do cooler stuff. This show is brought to you by Blue Apron this week, as as it has been, as it was last week. Uh, As I spoke about, I'm sort of in the midst of setting up my, my, well, actually, that's not true. I'm past setting up my Blue Apron account. I'm waiting on my Blue Apron food now. It's set to arrive Monday, but I am pretty psyched about it. 
Um, honestly, I, and I, you know, again, I'm not just saying that. I'm psyched that people are sending food to my house, which is first and foremost. Uh, but on top of that, it's cool stuff. The food looks really good. Uh, I'm due to get Indonesian spiced salmon, seared chicken and mashed potatoes, and PBL-style pork this week. Uh, that was a late swap. I think in the last show I wouldn't have mentioned the salmon, but I figured my wife really likes salmon. I almost never prepare fish at home because it's not my favorite thing, but you know what? We're going to be getting these meals. I might as well uh, bring in some of the fancy stuff, some of the stuff I don't normally cook, and I think that's a big part of the appeal of Blue Apron. So uh, definitely check them out. There is a promo that they're running for For the Win podcast listeners. Uh, so you can get your first three meals free with free shipping if you go to blueapron.com slash for the win. Uh, you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. That's uh, blueapron.com slash for the win. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. I will find out for sure that that's true, but I can say from the early stages, things are going fairly smoothly. I'm excited for you to try it out. I will obviously talk about it because we tend to talk about food here, even though you hate that subject, and even um, even though uh, it is nominally a sports podcast. It is nominally a sports podcast, but I will say that now it is basically a sports and food podcast. <laughs> I wanted. I, I'm fine with that. I would. I would be happy to talk about things beyond f- sports and food too. Not eliminating sports and food, but just you know any anything else that wants to come up, except I guess politics, which we're trying to avoid. We're gonna avoid politics. Um, I would say it's a little late. We could, t- and this is what's frustrating is that nobody asks me questions about celebrity facial hair, which is really the only thing that I, I sometimes want to talk about well, is the state of celebrities' beards um, or lack thereof. I mean, we don't have to get in in the in straight into the questions people ask us. I can ask you that straight up. No, 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 what no. Is- we're good. We'll 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 save it for for something a little bit more appropriate. <laughs> Well, no, I just want to – just give it to me quick because I didn't know you had a hot take on celebrity facial hair. Um, it's only because of it's, – it's not even a hot take about uh, like celebrity facial hair in general, but the Golden Globes were on Sunday. And it was just like a bevy of celebrities with like hair and like talking about facial hair is like my favorite thing in the world just because I think that beards like one way or the other will either like make or break your look, especially if you're a dude. Um, and do you know who Chris Pine is? Yeah, that's Captain America, right? No, that's Chris Evans. Oh my uh, god, who's Chris <laughs> Pine? He's like a different hot guy. He's a uh, yeah, he's a different hot guy. He's um, Chris... uh, he's in Star Trek. He's Captain oh Earth. yeah, he looks like Captain America though. Yeah, they all, all the Chris's kind of look alike. They're they're like generic white guy hot. I feel um, like I feel like there's like a generic Hollywood hot guy look, and this guy has it. Yes, I'm not saying, that is... for all I know, he's like the most talented actor in the world, but he looks like they were just like, it's like they were just walking down a line of dudes and they're like, yep, you, you can come, like you are obviously <laughs> hot enough, get on that line over there to be a Hollywood megastar. That is, I think that's exactly what it is. All these guys, if you like line them up, all look almost exactly the same. Um, I think this is, this is for a role, but like he came to the Golden Globes with just like the most amazing bushy beard. Um, and it's kind of been my favorite part of Sunday that n- not enough people have commented on. I feel like, and I might be saying this as a biased, uh, as a biased observer here. I kind of feel like the beard has had its day. Is that oh. no? You don't think so? 
I, you know, I don't know. I think, well, like, the beard... Obviously, the beard revival has been a big yeah. trend in the in recent years. But yeah. I feel like now, as a generally... I wouldn't call myself a clean-shaven person by any standards, right? But, like, as a not-bearded guy, as, like, a sort of permanently stubbly guy, I yeah. tend to be... That used to be... And I've been sort of consistently like that for, like, 15 years because that's <laughs> Let just me just say. Let me just say that every time we we have a staff meeting and we kind of do these staff meetings on Google Hangouts so that we can like see each other's faces, the last several weeks Ted has consistently had stubble. I've never seen you clean shaven. I am extremely rarely clean shaven. <laughs> like I will shave if I'm going on TV. I will shave that morning because I don't want to look like I don't care. Like I'm a complete slob. <laughs> I am. I am a complete slob. I don't really like the act of shaving. It makes my face bleed fairly frequently. I have like a, a hair clipper, and I just use the tightest setting of the hair clipper and run it over my face. So that's why it's always kind of stubbly. <laughs> it's always stubbly. You did stab it up for Ice Cube, though. I, I saw that. Collared shirt and everything. Uh, I did wear a collared shirt to meet Ice Cube. I didn't want to look like a schmo in front of Ice Cube. Yeah, it's Ice Cube. Um, but, I, <clears throat> but what I was going to say was that I now, I used to be, it used to feel like I was one of the, like, stubblier people mm -hmm. in any given room, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. now I always feel like I'm the cleanest shaven person in any given room. Yeah, especially with, like, athletes, it's, like, growing the beard out to, like, a, a wild and woolly stage, even when it's not playoffs, is a test of your masculinity or something like that. Um I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm not, I, I don't think that it's had its, like, I, I think you're right. It might have peaked and it might be on its way down, but like on its way down among like a very subsect of like Brooklyn hipsters who've decided that something else is big. Uh, yeah. And I don't know that they've gotten there yet because I, I hang out amongst them and they're all still <laughs> wearing beards. I just, I feel like maybe for me, it's a little bit of beard envy. Because oh yeah. I can grow, I can grow a really, really thick beard and no mustache at all. And you can't really, <laughs> you can't keep a beard if your mustache doesn't like connect to the beard. Yeah, you, it's it too just looks, weird. it looks terrible. So yeah, it looks terrible. So all right, moving on from facial hair. Stubble is stubble is the way for me. That's that's how I'm gonna be. It's yeah. just probably gonna be that way for the rest of my life. Whether it's gonna come into style, it's gonna go out of style. It's just gonna be that way because I'm lazy <laughs> and my wife doesn't seem to care. Those are the two two big things. All right, um, let's get into well, thanks questions. Thanks for indulging me. Yes, thanks for indulging me. Let's get into questions. Uh, this one I suspect comes from me, and we got a couple about about this new development. But this one's from Jeff Fletcher of the Orange County Register, uh, hmm. who I should say is a, an excellent excellent baseball writer. He covers the Angels for the Orange County Register, uh, and he wants to know what we think of a taco shell made of fried chicken. I'm guessing you I mean, don't, I'm guessing you don't have hot takes on that as a vegetarian. I mean, my hot take is that it sounds absolutely disgusting and no way good for you and not just good for you, but bad for the planet and bad for humanity. That's well, my hot take. Well, okay. <laughs> well, now you make me feel bad about enjoying it. But I my take is let's make more stuff out of fried chicken. I'm all about that. I think that uh, eating with your hands and things that are made to be eat with your hand, uh, eaten with your hands are, are wildly underrated. I think that, like, people say it's weird that it, I might at home, if I'm alone, 
pick up a steak by the bone and just eat it directly <laughs> instead of bothering to cut it up. But I would say that everybody picks up buffalo wings, and those are a sauced meat. So I am all about, like, finding new ways we can eliminate the things around the meat. And that's no disrespect to bread, which is delicious, but I just want I want us to be innovating in as many different ways as possible to bring me uh, new meat delivery systems. Taco Bell has one of them. It's called the Naked Chicken Chalupa. I sampled it at the Taco Bell Test Kitchen. I really enjoyed it. I actually thought the, like, the taste of the chicken was excellent by the standards of fast food chicken nuggets and chicken patties and such. So I, I look forward to it being available on Taco Bell menus. I will eat it. I will happily endorse it. And I hope that at some point, because the one thing that's holding back the Taco Bell taco shell made of fried chicken right now to me is that they're not putting other meats inside of it it's just uh, almost like the kfc double down where they're gonna put cheese and condiments and lettuce in there but what i want is like a beef taco on fried chicken i imagine if i find a willing taco bell employee i can get that done but i don't know yet that they're gonna have like a button in their system to let you do that so that's what I want. That's my target. That's my thought on that. Do you uh, do you even think that would taste good? That sounds have, disgusting. It, it does not sound good. But <laughs> I have found that there are very few combinations of Taco Bell stuff that don't wind up tasting delicious and like Taco Bell. And I want to try all of the possible options. Like I want to start like a one of those like probability charts where you can map out like all – 3.7 billion possible combinations of Taco Bell ingredients and <laughs> and keep going until I find one I don't like. I Well, more power to you. Um, I guess somebody needs to do the hard work. That is what I'm about. Okay, this is an Ice Cube-themed question. Yay! Uh, this is... the. This is a good one. I actually like this question. Okay. Uh, best rapper who became an actor and best actor who used to be a rapper. So let's start with the best rapper... Who became an actor? Now I don't know if he means as best as a rapper or best as an actor, but I think I have yeah. takes for both. Okay, uh, um, you I, go first. Okay, so I think the best rapper to me, who now I feel like I mostly see acting, is Method Man. Um, who oh, I think yeah. is I think Method Man is like a fairly good actor. He always plays Method Man, but he always plays Method Man pretty convincingly. And he's like such a charismatic dude that I always kind of want to watch him and stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't feel like he can match. Like he is one of my all-time favorite rappers, and so I don't know that he can match. He can ever get to, in my eyes, where he is as a rapper, as an actor. Um, and as for the best. Uh, the best acting rapper, and this is probably a little bit off the beaten path, I think, but uh, I tend to find Common really good and stuff. Like, yeah. Like, he's not in a ton of stuff, but it's it's he's almost become like a, it's almost like Common's like a character actor now. He's, he, mm-hmm. he actually, he's in a ton of stuff. I should say he doesn't like star in a ton of stuff, but he shows up in so many things, and I feel like uh, he's always good in everything, and he's especially good. Like he's really, really good in the show Hell on Wheels, which I haven't watched all of, but uh, in the first couple of seasons, it's like he steals the show there. Oh, that's a that's a good pick. Um, I think I'm gonna go with you know I think that not to we don't want to be super gender specific. I'm going with Queen Latifah. Like she 
used to be a rapper and is now known more for her acting career. Like, she's amazing, and she has, like, her own TV show. Can I name drop right now and say that my <laughs> my sister worked with Queen Latifah on something back in the day, and they, like, know each other, and she she really likes Queen Latifah, too? I, I would, yes, and it, it, it makes me happy to hear that people I like like as celebrities might actually be good people in real life. Yeah, I believe she called her Queenie. Like that's that's how she people what her friends call her. So uh, I don't know. That's cool. I my yeah. My sister we, know, my sister knows tons of famous people. It's kind of dope. It, you should, and it, she makes for really good. So so you guys that don't work with us wouldn't know, but we call it Tedding when you name drop that you know somebody cool because ten, Ted tends to do that all the time. <laughs> and it's like seventy percent of the time, it's like my sister's stories. Like she met this person, yeah. she because she works in she works in casting, so she meets a lot of famous people. So yeah, Busta Rhymes worked on the same uh, the same movie. Not as good of an actor, I would say, as Common. Uh, no, again, mm-hmm. you know, great rapper. Uh, I I don't think. I don't think Busta's quite gotten there as an actor. But what about the... What are you going to go on? No, 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 go ahead. What's the second part of that question again? The best actor who used to be a rapper. The um, best actor so who used to could, be a rapper. You could go with Common for that one. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go... Um, I am a big fan of the Fast and Furious, so I'm going to take a moment to shout out Chris Bridges, Mr. Ludacris, because he might still make music, but I feel like he's best known for his role in the Fast and Furious franchise. I feel like, wait, wasn't Ludacris was in a serious movie that he was really good in, too? Right. Oh, was he? Um, I'm looking mm-hmm. this up. Now I'm, I'm, I feel like there was this, I saw Ludacris in like a fairly serious role and being like, Wow, like Lud- uh, Ludacris was good in this movie. Uh, I think you might be right, actually. He was in the movie Crash, and yes, he was good in that. He was um, good in that. And um, I think you're right. I will say that Crash wasn't a great movie, but he was good in it. Right. Um, yeah. Okay, so so I will Okay. I will, I will. say I enjoy Ludacris in that. Um, I guess there's not a lot of actors who became rappers, right? Like, that's not a frequent thing, like Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't. It, it's pretty hard for it to work the other way around. Um, Jamie, maybe Jamie Foxx well, kind of. He didn't not really a rapper. He's more of like a vocalist, right? But he was kind of a. I think he was an actor first before he started showing up on Kanye singles and stuff, right? Yeah, well, so this isn't the the rapper part, but Donald Glover. You know what I mean? Talk about a polymath, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's definitely started as an actor, but then Childish Gambino has become almost as good as his acting career. So. And it, Atlanta was such a good show. I, just the, from the first season, incredible. Yeah. Uh, the new Childish Gambino album was like one of the few. Nate actually recommended it to me before this, before he stopped hosting. I think on the last show he hosted with me on, he told mm-hmm. me I should check that out. I, I have uh, dug on that a lot more than I do on most 2016 albums, so... Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good call. Um, also, on like kind of a goofier note, uh, do you know the show Workaholics? No, I see promos for it, but I actually haven't watched it. So it's a fairly funny show. It's like just sort of uh, like it's a it's a. I, I always thought it's a very funny era in life that they're focusing on, which is like mm-hmm. post college, pre having your stuff together, which was certainly like an era in which I spent like three or four years before I really started getting going into any sort of, uh, like, uh, real career, this career, mm-hmm. I suppose. And, um, you know, sort of trying to find money and trying to figure out what you want to do and also sort of carrying on like a goon because you're you're just out of the uh, adolescent world. Um, so it's a funny show, but also those guys have a concept album about wizards, 
and it's surprisingly <laughs> good. Like, it's not a great rap album, but it's really funny, and, like, the music is better than it needs to be for a concept <laughs> album about wizards from the guys on Workaholics. I, you're, you're trying to sell it to me, but I still don't think I will be listening you to it. <laughs> won't. I'm just telling, I'm telling it to the larger podcast audience that if they like that show, they yeah. will probably, and they've done a, a little pieces of the bits on the show, but uh, the actual album, like I said, like surprisingly li- listenable. There are some jokes on there that I think about, so that like come up in my head sometimes, and I still think about. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you could check that out. I got a sports one for you. Ooh, okay. And this Where is, is only for you. Um, <laughs> and it's from Charles, our, our coworker, Charles Curtis. He wants to know Crosby or Ovechkin go. See, this is a really difficult question because is that like that's like the big hockey debate of this generation? No, well, it's kind of the big hockey debate, but which side of the line you're on also says a lot about you, right? A lot of people are, and says a lot about you, but it also says a lot about like how you think about the sport because the Crosby people are very much like Crosby is the greatest. He is the best. He can do no wrong. He is a generational talent and he has respect for the game and he plays the game that the way it should be. Played. And those people will turn around and say that Ovechkin is everything that's wrong with hockey because he scores too many goals, if that's possible. Like Alex Ovechkin just, you know, broke 1000 points um, a couple of nights ago that he's too flashy. He's not about the team. He's never won a Stanley Cup before. So where you land on this side of the debate really is kind of like how you think about hockey. Um, Wait, so I see. I'm not seeing. I'm not all that familiar with this, just like this uh, divide in hockey. What what constitutes like respecting the game and playing the game the right way in hockey? It's. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with baseball. I would say so. You know, when when people say you play the game the right way, it means that you aren't like having outlandish uh, like goal celebrations. Like Ovi definitely is known for his goal celebrations. Ovi also has a big personality. Um, he has a big personality on the ice, and people will say that that's disrespecting the team because he's making it more about him than he is making it about the team. It's it's basically the same thing. Like I guess it's like. Uh, uh, similar to the bat flipping controversy in MLB. Like from an outsider perspective, it's just so ludicrous that this would even be an issue, but it's one of those big issues. Um, And then people who criticize, who are in like the Ovi camp will criticize Crosby for being a diver and being whiny on the ice to the refs and complaining too much. Um, Again, it's just Crosby's like in baseball, he's like your dirty uniform guy. What do you mean, dirty uniform like guy? A, like a guy like Chase Utley, who it's like, yeah. he's like scrappy and he's doing everything he can to help the team win, but he's like he's like your blue-collar guy that, that, that has that appeal. Well, I mean, his blue-collar appeal, I mean, he's... I, mean, I feel like all hockey players have a blue-collar appeal, yeah, right? They're playing but, hockey. No, 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 but like, he's not blue-collar appeal, it's more, um, like, they're both huge stars, right? right they're right, both right. huge stars, but like, Crosby is, um, you know, definitely the more subdued and humble kind of player so everyone thinks that oh he's you know look how humble he is he's the greatest player in the game um and then people will say that Ovi's too flashy and that he you know I mean I don't understand how there's such a thing as too much personality but that's like absolutely a criticism against Ovechkin so this is a really difficult question because I am one of the rare like 
like outside of my job, if I'm a hockey fan, like the Washington Capitals are my team because DC is where I live. Um, Ovechkin is amazing and he's actually a great, he's like fun to interview and he has like the best stories. And I'm not saying taking anything away from Cosby as a player because he's very, very good on the ice and his dedication is phenomenal. Um, but he also like, there's a personality in there somewhere. He just does not let anybody else see it. So that's really frustrating. Um, I wish Charles had been a little bit more specific with his question, but I'm going to have to go with Ovechkin. He, he, I think in a weird way, Ovechkin just draws more people to the game outside of Crosby. Yeah, I think uh, I like your reasoning. I can't, I can't back that. I can't say <laughs> that I one is better than the other. I can say that I'm looking up like advanced hockey stats, and <laughs> they tend to favor Ovechkin over Crosby. So yeah. I'm going to say that he's the real deal, and right. I like his personality, and I want him to keep doing it and score more goals because goals are the whole point, right? You, you're supposed to score goals. You can't score too yeah. many goals. He, I mean, he's like, you know, he's won um, the Rocket Richard Trophy like three years in a row or something. Ovechkin has being the highest scoring leader in the NHL. He's not there right now. That's actually Crosby who is leading the NHL in goals. And he's like on a phenomenal pace. But Crosby's um, more of an assists guy. Yeah, Crosby is just more of a points guy. Um, and that's what people like. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say he's more of a points guy. Like, he is an overall leader. He's known for scoring goals. He's known for being, like, leading in assists as well. Um, I, I just think that which way you come down on this debate kind of shows, like, where your feelings are about the direction of the sport. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely going to have to go with Ovechkin. All right. Well, good. Um, that yeah. is a that is a good sports take. Now we have to get back to food takes because that's All right. that's the questions that people ask us. We got a but we got a food question specifically for you. Yeah, specifically for me, which is weird. By someone probably messing with you. Uh, Derek <laughs> wants to know what your favorite sandwich is. I know, and I and I think that Derek probably is messing with me, but I have a very interesting take on this because I'm someone who doesn't like a lot of stuff in their food. I like a couple of ingredients max. I don't like to mix it up with like lots of weird things. And I feel like that's really fashionable right now is just to put a mess of things into sandwiches and have it all taste good. Um, my favorite sandwich actually, so there's two of them and they actually, you can find them in India. They're not really popular in America, but street vendors in India and now these street talking. vendors. I want to hear yeah. it. Now, now I'm, now I'm in, now I'm in, <laughs> I want to hear this. You want to hear this? Yeah, it's getting good now, right? So street vendors in India, and they are everywhere, right? Like one on every corner. They have these little metal carts, and they make these sandwiches, which are on white bread. But they're white bread that is very – it's like a little bit sweeter than like the kind of white bread that you get in America. And they make them with chutney, butter, and just cucumbers, tomatoes, onions, and thin slices of boiled potatoes with like a sandwich masala on top of it. That's like, that's my favorite sandwich. That sounds pretty good. I'm not that into the onion part of it, but I, I, I'd try that out. What's it called? Um, uh, I don't even know what it's called. It's just, you, just you just go there and get on the corner in India. Yeah. Like when you go up to, when you go up to the, the sandwich guy and you're like, I'll have a sandwich. And that's just how he makes it. He'll ask if you want a, he'll ask if you want potatoes or not with it. And you can be specific with your ingredients. Um, but that's one of my, like, one of my 
ticks is that you can only get it in India. We try to recreate them in America and it just doesn't work. Like they only taste good there. I had one of the best sandwiches I've ever had in my life was off a, a street cart in Thailand, and not in Thailand, excuse me, in Vietnam. Mm. Uh, and, it, you know, I had like a banh mi, but it was with grilled meatballs. And the woman was like, just had a little hibachi going and she was flipping the meatballs with with chopsticks and, and making all these sandwiches and the whole thing costs like 16 cents or something uh, yeah. in terms in American money. Uh, yeah. So that I'm, I'm all about that. What I was going to ask you to follow up, do you not have any reservations about street food then like street cart food? Oh, I no, I, I don't really just because um, one, I already know that there's probably going to be something that I eat or like something that I touch that's going to get me sick while I'm there. So I just resign myself to having one bout of, you know, whatever sickness. Yeah. Yeah. One bout of like whatever is going to come at me. Um, but we, I think the only thing we try to be careful of is like not drinking water. So like if there's a, a drink or something and they will make sure that they use filtered water or bottled water. But aside from that, we're all about street food in India. Um, it's, and it, it usually works fine. Like That's I good. haven't, yeah, yeah. I am, I'm going back in two weeks, so we'll see if that changes, but I feel like, uh, I, I know I notice it a lot of times when people come to New York, like people are more sketched out than I am by the idea of like buying food off the street. Like I forget uh, what city I was in where it's like a point of pride that they sell lots of food on the street and other people think that's gross. I don't, I don't know if like, if why is that an issue? I I don't know. I guess uh, you're in America. What's that? I said, even in America, why is that an issue? That's crazy. It's weird to me too, like because because you yeah. see that you see them prepare your food, right? So you can yeah. tell if if the guy's got like dirty hands and he's rubbing them all over your food. Don't buy that thing, right? But like you you watch, I don't know, like you you like I get, I guess like you know the the criticism I hear or whatever is like, well, where does that guy go to the bathroom? Where does that guy do that? You know, where was? Oh no, come on. But they have, I mean, typically in New York, I know at least the guys who are running like food trucks or, or street carts, especially if they're parked in the same place, they have some sort of a relationship with one doorman or yeah. business or yep. Starbucks where they can go in and use the bathroom yeah. and wash up and everything. I'm not that concerned about it. Uh, and I also feel like, and I don't want to step way outside of my bounds here because I'm not mm-hmm. a doctor, but <laughs> uh, I have a friend who's an allergist and in talking to him, uh, he says he thinks like a lot of our current like the the recent trends in disease and especially in allergies mm-hmm. he thinks might come from people being too clean and especially in the US like a generation yes. like my generation really that was like raised so much to fear germs and fear you know anything that might not be impeccably perfectly clean and that maybe obviously in certain ways that's a very good thing right there are a lot of diseases that get carried right. through germs and through poor sanitation which you want to avoid but there are cases like um well like so so something like uh like Crohn's disease where like that is mm-hmm. a very US specific disease and it's something mm-hmm. that has developed uh really since um, all of our efforts to make food and food preparation conditions more sanitary, and I believe that, like it, like in in other places of the world, that's not as big of an issue. And so, 
Uh, I think there are a lot of little things like that where it's like exposure might actually – exposure to a little bit of a toxin of some sort might actually be good for you. But I, I think wanna, so. I don't want to say yeah. like, roll around and eat dirt and stuff because, again, I'm not a doctor. But I do think that ooh, it, it will come out medically that like, you know, shielding uh, our children the way we do from like every little piece of dirt or any food that touched the floor or anything like that isn't necessarily always a good thing. Well, for sure, because it's already an issue, right? Because so many people are resistant to um, antibiotics because we use all this antibiotic stuff when we don't need it, like on our hands and stuff like that. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not really helpful to you. Um, and I grew up in India. Well, I was there until I was about five. Um, but when, you know, my body has a whole has like a strengthened immunity, I think, to just germs in general, just because we were exposed exposed to so many different things. Um, I have a friend who actually is, she has a five and a half year old daughter. And it's amazing because her motto is just like, yeah, a little dirt's always good for you. And I agree with that. I think that's great. It's also fun. I mean, as a little kid, like, it was, I don't know, and, like, this is always just nostalgia. Like, why are today's Mm -hmm. kids not, like, what it was when I was a kid? Um, But, like, we didn't have any sort of organized play activities. It was just, like, and this is a function of growing up in a safe neighborhood where where we knew all the parents on the block and everything. But ours were mostly, like, you open the door and you just run outside and you find your friends and then you do things that often involve, like, playing in the dirt behind the garages or yeah. digging for worms and all those things. And I don't know, there was a, like being willing to get dirty and get your clothes dirty and not necessarily have like structured play activities. I found was pretty fun. That was just a pretty fun thing for me. Yeah. I think and the, and the benefit is that, you know, all these different things is that your immune system, like your gut bacteria is just a lot stronger. So it can handle a bunch of weird stuff that you throw at it. I hope so, maybe, because otherwise we're giving people very bad advice. (laughs) Don't, yeah, that's a disclaimer. Don't use us for medical advice. Please check with your doctor and wash your hands. (laughs) Um, Speaking of which, uh, the last question I've got, actually, that's not true. We got two more sandwich related questions. One I'll do quick. One is someone who wants to know uh, is, this is the John T. He wants to know is a quesadilla a sandwich and how about a taco? Uh, I am a hardliner in saying that a hot dog, when served on a bun, is a sandwich. I don't see any way in which it's not. Um, I don't think a taco is a sandwich. It's very hard to put into words why I don't think it's a sandwich, but I would say that uh, every single thing served in a taco shell is always a sandwich. Uh, is is always a taco, rather. Mm-hmm. That just got real confusing. That was a slip <laughs> of the tongue. When you use a taco shell, and you're that's the thing wrapping your food, no matter what's in there, it's going to be a taco, right? Whereas you can have a, you can do a variety of things with a, a roll. You don't have to make it into a sandwich. Uh, you, it's, it's maybe you just want to butter it. Maybe you want to toast it and make French bread, garlic bread, or whatever. Um, it is the uh, concocting of the sandwich, the piling of the meat onto the bread that makes it a sandwich. And so I would say that taco doesn't count like that because a taco shell is like exclusively for tacos. Quesadilla, I feel like is a far more, a far trickier, uh, thing to define. And I would lean towards, and this is gonna, this is gonna upset people. I'm going to lean towards saying, yes, a quesadilla is a sandwich. Oh, weird. 
That's I would not have expected that for somebody who says they're hardliner on what isn't a sandwich. That's no, surprising. I was no, I'm a hardline that a hot doggy. I'm like a big sandwich Hall of Fame guy. Like I feel right. like you wanna. I feel like I would call more things sandwiches than maybe most okay. people would. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't really have a strong opinion on it. My definition always just has been if it's between two pieces of bread, it's a sandwich. So. Well, but what about uh, a hot dog? Um, See, you don't have as much familiarity with with the sandwiches. I would I would reel off uh, for yeah, right? I, yeah, and, and and honestly, for me, it's like, well, the hot dog is actually not two pieces of bread. It's one piece of bread, so and, it's not a sandwich. And that's a common thing. But like a cheesesteak is usually ultimately served in one piece of bread. Uh, you might not know this because you probably never had it. I assume you've never, I've had, never a had a cheesecake since, nope. since you've never had steak. But nope. uh, and and I, as a former former deli man, I can tell you like that's something you're going for when you're picking up like a long roll. You want to slice it so that one side is hinged because then the ingredients of the sandwich don't fall out that side. It gives you a more convenient way to eat it. So a lot of things are served. A lot of things we call sandwiches are served fairly standardly on hinged buns or hinged bread. Mm. So that's why I that's part of the reason I believe a hot dog very strongly to be a sandwich. Quesadilla <laughs> I, trickier. I look forward I but, look forward to you getting um a lot of internet feedback about your quesadilla stance. Yeah, I mean look, I, I reserve the right to change my mind. Second <laughs> question, and maybe you do have a, a take on this one. Last sandwich question, last question we'll handle. What is the worst sandwich you've ever had? Oh my God. Mm. I have to think about that one. Do you have an answer ready to go? I do because and, – and I guess it more speaks to uh, a couple of the problems in the sandwich reviewing game that I found, which is mm-hmm. uh, sample size is a huge issue. Like mm-hmm. you're never going to – I'm never going to eat a sandwich enough times to say for certain like this is a great sandwich or this is a bad sandwich because most of the times – I'm going to eat that sandwich like once or twice before I write about it. And so I've always sort of been tortured by the idea that like I might have gotten that sandwich on a really good day or a really bad day. And the particular sandwich I've got in mind is one that a lot of people whom I really trust recommended to me. And I'm not going to say the place because it's like a small, uh, like clearly I wouldn't, I don't know if it's a family owned business, but it's a small business. It's, it's not like from Subway, which anything from Subway would probably be like (laughs) one through 12 for me. Um, but in terms of like sandwiches, I actually thought I might like, I got a sandwich that was like, it was pulled pork that was sort of formed into a ball and breaded and deep fried. I just said ball with like the most strong Long Island accent. It was formed into a ball and it was breaded and deep fried and it was not good and it made me sick and it was the then why it why it registers now is that it made me I have the thing and I think a lot of people have this where if something if I get sick after eating something then I can't eat that thing for a while. And so this ruined pulled pork for me for like two and a half years. And pulled pork is such an important part of my diet that I would <laughs> say that that like fried pork sandwich gone awry. And maybe it was just a bad day for this place, mm-hmm. but uh, it was it was a killer. It it, it was uh, one that I I still like feel a little queasy thinking about today. Well, yeah, I mean, you got sick, so so I think that kind of makes sense. That uh, so you'd if have... you're talking about just sandwiches that don't make yeah. me sick, that uh, it's everything from Subway. I mean, everything from Quiznos. I, can, I, right? can I just tell you something? Yeah. I, I don't understand all this, like, I, Subway is, like, my favorite place to go get sandwiches. <laughs> but you just get vegetables on there, right? 
Yeah, we just get vegetables. It's just like bread and vegetables and the cheese. Like it's it's been a staple for us for so long. So I guess. Um, but I will. One. I do have an idea. I do have a, a response for the the war sandwich that I've had. Well, I would to your point about Subway. I would say that the meat at Subway is really what grosses me out because it's like mm. feels like it's like reconstituted and it's just been mm-hmm. sitting there out like sort of luke, luke, lukewarm room temperature all day. Uh, it just the the meat is probably what grosses me out, but also just the smell of Subway. The that bread smell is like too overpowering and artificial <laughs> smelling for me. Wow, that is that's very intense take. Um, one that we don't share. So I will say so the worst sandwich that I've had was probably has something. So this probably has something to do with it, like around the time period of when I had the sandwich. Um, but we were getting ready for like my mom's memorial ceremony, and we had family come in, and they weren't staying with us, but they came over to the house and they brought lunch, and they brought these like. Uh, is Jimmy John's a sub place? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. They brought Jimmy John's subs, and they were disgusting. It was just like, like thirteen pieces of cheese and just like a pound of lettuce, and the bread was not cooked. It was. I mean, it was disgusting. Like any moment of my life, I would have recognized that as being a horrible, horrible sandwich. But it's an especially bad time. And I've had some meals like that, too, where you're just like, this is a lousy, low time in my life. And now I'm eating, like, crappy food on top of it. And, like, everything is just piling down. And life sucks. And, like, life would suck slightly less if this sandwich weren't so awful. But instead, it it also so happens to be the worst (laughs) sandwich I've ever had. That's exactly what it was. It's like, you know what? It's not enough that this is just a, a, a going to be a terrible day to begin with. But like, here you go. Here is a terrible, terrible sandwich on top of that. <laughs> well, I'm glad this turned grim before we wrapped up. <laughs> well, I can laugh through it. Um. <laughs> um, you can check out the For the Win podcast on iTunes and on SoundCloud and on Stitcher. Rate us and review us and subscribe to all of those things at all of those places. Tell your friends. Send us feedback. Anything. We're on Twitter. We're on the email. We're on the internet. Facebook. Social media. It's all of it. You can get at us through every single possible channel. So please do. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Hamill, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me and and for letting me be on the same podcast as Ice Cube. Yeah, I want to. I want to. I was going to end with a very special shout out to Ice Cube for coming on the For the Win podcast. So uh, peace out. <laughs>